Well, hello there. Welcome to the Curiosity Podcast, a show dedicated to those of us who are trying to grow and develop our own online businesses. And this is a very special show. It is uh, an interim show between season one and season two. We have finished season one. We are just about to launch season two, but I I thought in the wake of the uh, coronavirus and what is going on around the world, it would be good to jump uh, online and share with you some thoughts and some ideas about how we can rethink our business strategies, how we can rethink uh, and reframe what our businesses do in the wake of the coronavirus, especially as there are going to be plenty of things out there which are going to want to dis- uh, derail our businesses and change what we do and how we do it. And we genuinely don't want that. We really want to be out there uh, being proactive and doing some crazily good stuff for the community with our businesses. And so I thought I would jump uh, on and chat to you about that. And to do that, I want to introduce you to a chap you may be familiar with. Um, I came across a TED Talk by Bill Gates. And this is how uh, Bill opened up his TED Talk. The disaster we worried about most was a nuclear war. Today, the greatest risk of global catastrophe doesn't look like this. And he shows a picture of a nuclear bomb. It looks like this. And he shows the coronavirus. If anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Well, I found his TED Talk absolutely fascinating. And his talk was done in 2015. I remember watching it uh, and not really paying that much attention at the time, if I'm honest. But looking back now, uh, this eight-minute presentation that Bill Gates did about, you know, the coming or the impending epidemic Uh, and us not being ready for it, is nothing short of remarkable. And when you read through the comments on YouTube, one of the commentators actually wrote, this is going to be the biggest I told you so in history. There is no doubt about it. Let's listen to the next clip. We're not ready for the next epidemic. And that was the premise of his talk, right? We are not ready for the next epidemic. There's no doubt about it. We were not ready. We were not planned for this. Uh, But that doesn't mean that we can't learn from it, okay? There was no one there to look at treatment approaches, Uh, no one to look at the diagnostics, no one to to figure out what tools should be used. As an example, uh, we could have taken the blood of survivors, processed it, and put that plasma back in people to protect them. Uh, But that was never tried. So there was a lot that was missing, and these things are really a global failure. So this was an interesting comment, because he's talking about what happened during the Ebola outbreak. Okay, and he's talking about this in 2015, and he's he's looking across the landscape, and he sees the problems that are in front of him as a result of Ebola, and he's going, actually, this could have been an awful lot worse, and the next time it will be, and we are not ready, uh, which is a scary concept. Um, and he said that there was no one there to uh, to sort of go and. Uh, have have a little try and a play and try try things and see things and try and uh, experiment uh, and innovate with new ideas in the midst of that crisis. That was one of the big problems with Ebola and how that was missing and how we should be doing that now. And so this is kind of driving uh, my podcast. Now I'm going to come back to Bill, Bill Gates uh, in just a little minute because Bill in his TED Talk, outlines five key principles that we needed as society to put into place to be ready for the current outbreak, okay? And uh, ironically, well, not ironically, interestingly, those five key principles I looked at again and thought, goodness me, they totally apply for my 
business, right? They totally apply for what's going on in my companies. And so uh, I'm going to go through those five principles that Bill Gates talks about. And I'm going to explain to you uh, how I've uh, put those into practice in my business. So we're going to come back to Bill in a little bit. But here's some of the things that I think uh, and that I'm, you know, when talking with clients, these are some of the things that I think we need to think about when it comes to rethinking our own business strategy in the wake of the coronavirus epidemic or pandemic, as it's now being called. And the first thing is this. I'm totally convinced we have to confront the brutal facts, right? To quote uh, Jim Collins from Good to Great, it is one of the essential things is confronting the brutal facts. There seems to be two extremes of people uh, in the world today. The one is the I'm going to panic buy every piece of chicken and toilet roll from the supermarket I can possibly find, which I have to be honest, just completely blows my mind. It really does. But I know for a lot of people that is a big deal and have gone and panic bought, right? So there's there's the absolute fear of the coronavirus issue. And there's the other extreme which says, this is all not true, it's just the media and the government's trying to control us. And so take no notice of what is happening, right? So you've got these two extremes, and I don't know where you are in the middle of them, uh, whether you are full of fear, and i I pray and hope that you're not and that you experience uh, peace, uh, divine peace throughout this process. And then there's the other extreme which says, I'm not thinking about this at all. I mean, I read in the newspaper the other day uh, how Jeremy Corbyn, who is uh, who is uh, the leader of the opposition party uh, here in the UK, how he wasn't going to take the government's uh, advice being over 70 uh, and stay in his house. He was deliberately not doing that. I don't know what you think about that. Um, this is not necessarily the place to get into it, but there are these sort of extremes uh, that we have in terms of our behaviour, and I don't know where you are in front of it, but I do know we as business people, as entrepreneurs, have to confront the fact that the world has just gone a bit crazy right now. It has gone you know, there are things happening which we have never seen in our lifetimes, and it is definitely going to impact your business, whether you like it or whether you don't. And we need to be thinking about that now and planning for that, because I feel a little bit like uh, the the school kid that got caught, you know, with something that he shouldn't uh, in the school in the schoolyard because. You know, listening to Bill Gates saying the this epidemic's come in, we're not ready, we need to get ready. And and knowing that and watching that and having seen that before, but they're not doing anything about it, I kind of sit here going, Yeah, I've I, I'm busted a little bit, right? I didn't plan for this, I didn't think about it. I but I I have an opinion on it, but the reality of it is it is affecting my businesses, it is affecting my clients' businesses, and so we need to rethink what is going on. So point number one, we definitely need to confront the brutal facts and be totally clear and honest with ourselves what is happening. Number two, one of the other things I think we definitely need to watch out for is supply chain management. Now, what do I mean by this? For me, a lot of the products that I sell um, on my e-commerce websites, they have complex supply chain management issues. Certainly some of the bigger brands do. For example, um, you know, you may find or we may find that there are products where they'd say on the packaging that they're manufactured in England. But the reality is um, some of the plastic that may be in the products or some of the glass bottles that they come in come from China. Some of the ingredients may come from the States. Some other parts may come from continental Europe. They, there are very few products that are not impacted by the global supply chain. Even products that are manufactured in the UK may have consequences if they're manufactured using machines that take parts that come from China, right? Supply chain management is going to become more and more critical and more and more of an issue. Okay, so this is something that we definitely need to think about and watch out for. Certainly uh, our business, we are we are very aware of supply chain management right now and thinking that through and what that means. The second thing, uh, oh no, number three, <laughs> number one, confront the brutal facts. Number two, supply and change management. And number three, I'm going to call this happy team and the desire to have 
a happy and safe and healthy team is so, so important. I'm going to explain to you some of the things that we have done uh, to uh, keep our workers safe uh, or safer uh, in the light of the epidemic. And so it's important that we think about our team. So, yes, we've got to think about supply. We've got to think about our team. But, of course, we have to also think about our customers. And I came across a really interesting article on the Nielsen uh, site, nielsen.com. I don't know if you've come across that site before, but it's a fascinating site full of reports um, around trade and worldwide trade and what is currently going on right now. And in that report, they talk about six key consumer behavior threshold levels. Uh, which is a complicated way of saying there are basically these three, these six stages uh, that customers go through or the consumer is going to go through. They've seen it in China a little bit with as much data as they can get out of China, but they've seen it in places like Italy, which are obviously quite severely hit uh, with the coronavirus. And they've seen what consumers have been doing over there, right? So, yes, we have to look at our supply chain. Yes, we have to look at our customers, uh, uh, our Team, sorry, but we also obviously have to look at our customers. And this article was very, very insightful indeed. The first thing they talk about in the six key consumer behavior threshold levels, that's really a mouthful to say. Um, or the first stage that people go through is what they call the proactive health-minded buying. So when people first started hearing about the coronavirus, they started to buy uh, certain health types of products like hand sanitizer, which has now become, you know, there's now a global shortage of hand sanitizer. The second level was the sort of the reactive health management. And these were these were the people that saw that maybe locally one or two people had uh, caught the virus or even uh, unfortunately died or passed away. And so this is where they start to get into uh the reactive rather than being proactive, they're reacting to what is going on. They see other people are buying 40,000 toilet rolls, so they're going to go and buy 40,000 toilet rolls, right? And they're, they're buying all this stuff up. And we've seen that happen in the UK. We've seen it happen in the States. Uh, there has been a lot of that going on. We then come to the third level, which they call pantry preparation. And so this is where uh, the, the COVID-19 news developments ignite consumer demand to this threshold. And this is all about food storage, the fact that there's no chicken in the supermarkets anymore. OK, so we're stocking up. We're stocking up on food. Level number four, they called the quarantined living preparation. Now, this is where in the UK, for example, we are now encouraged to stay at home and not go out. A lot of the sports events have been cancelled and so on and so forth. And so we're sort of, we've been preparing for this. We know it's been coming. Schools have been announced that they're going to close. And so what are the outcomes of this particular threshold uh, level, right? What what happens here? Well, they, they say in the report a number of things, right? Number one, the online shopping infrastructure is going to be put to the test because more and more consumers are moving to buying their products online. Less and less people are going to the shops. More and more people are buying their products online. Uh, and in Italy, for example, consumers grew really heavily reliant on online shopping and fulfillment uh, whilst significantly reducing in-store visits, according to the report. So uh, it's an obvious thing to say, but as we start to get ready for this quarantine living, we are going to start to find supplies online for the products that we need, and that is going to grow as we reduce the visits to shops. Okay, The fifth level... Uh, the, th the fifth um, sort of behavior threshold level, they called restricted living. And restricted living is a fascinating phrase. Um, it doesn't mean the end of life. I just want to put that out there for, for a lot of panic-stricken people. But it is restricted. And so we're going to see supply chain challenges um, here. Uh, and that's going to drive consumers to be less price sensitive on high demand packaged goods or those guaranteeing health and hygiene standards. So we've seen in the States, for example, people are trying to sell bottles of hand sanitizer for $600, right? They have this stuff. There is such high demand for it that, you know, you could 
argue that they're exploiting it. Some people would say it's capitalism in its purest form. I would probably say it's a little bit, (laughs) you know, you are exploiting people. There's no doubt about it. But politics aside, consumers are being less and less price sensitive for these types of products. Okay, so you'll see prices go up and people won't mind spending more. Um as money is going to be prioritized to the more of these hygiene and healthful food type products, okay? The the consequence to this is um, I have a website which sells um, skincare and cosmetics online. If people are spending more on trying to get food and if people are spending more on uh, hygiene products like hand sanitizer, like $600 for a bottle, uh, does that mean they're going to have less money to spend on, you know, non-essentials, we would call it, like, the skincare routine do they really care anyway because they're not going outside about putting makeup on so there's a whole bunch of questions around this that i need you know that helps me to sort of start thinking and planning for this and this is why i found this really helpful going through these sort of six key consumer behavior threshold levels the interesting thing is right at the end the number six is what they call living a new normal Now, what that means is uh, the world will never be the same again. You know, it's that theory that once you've stretched an elastic band, it never really fully regains back to where it was. It's sort of it's adopted a new sort of normal, if you like. And the conversation is now around will society do that? Will there be a new normal for society and what will that look like? For example, we are definitely, I think, going to be more aware of goods purchased from China. We're going to want to know about those supply chain systems and I think there's going to be some impacts there. Uh, We've seen older generations growing in their online consumer spending. I mean, we've seen that recently anyway over the last year or two. The fastest growing demographics online have been the older generations. So uh, that is going to become even faster and more and more so as uh, certainly uh, folks in their 70s and 80s can't get out and they can't rely on people necessarily to help them. Um, in the coming weeks, uh, I, they say in the Nielsen report that additional growth will only be achieved if online retailers are able to meet the exceptional, uh, oh, sorry, the exponential growth in consumer demand. In the future, e-commerce in Italy is likely to be consolid, uh, likely to be a consolidated reality with e-tailers providing a more structured and established platform, and consumers keener to buy FMCG baskets online. So. What the outcome of all of this is, uh, especially if you're in e-commerce, is in some respects this is uh, the silver lining, you know, the, the, the sunshine in the storm, for want of a better expression. If you are already online, uh, you should see, hopefully, a growth in your online activities, especially if you're selling essential high, uh, household items. And the new norm going forward is actually we're, whilst we're being quarantined, whilst we're being restricted in our living and what we can do, we are going to get used to buying an awful lot more of these types of products online than we have been used to buying. So not just technology type stuff, but we're going to get used to buying our groceries much more and all that sort of stuff online. So what does that mean for us as businesses? And I want to talk to you about that because for me, it means fundamentally meeting customers where they are at, right? I mean, And this is perhaps where our opportunities lie. So let's talk about some of the opportunities that we face um, uh, that our businesses have in front of us as we're rethinking our strategy and where we could move to uh, in, in going forward. So meet customers where they are. Now, I came across, right, this wonderful report um, from uh, it was on YouTube and it's about a restaurant in Seattle uh, run by Mark and Brian Canlis and I hope I'm pronouncing their name right uh, but in that part of the world like in so many parts of the world we have been told in the UK for example do you don't go eat in restaurants don't go eat in cafes don't go to public spaces and so the consequences of that are especially if you're fine dining a fine dining restaurant Your business model is, well, customers are coming to you and you're going to feed them food. But of course, that is no longer going to work, right? Because why? people aren't coming to you. Uh, And so they understood this. And Mark and Brian knew they had to rethink their business strategy in the wake of the coronavirus. They decided that in the face of this pandemic, 
um, they were going to uh, meet customers where the customers were rather than needing the customers to, to come to their store. So they've done a number of things, which I have found quite fascinating. Number one, the first thing they did was they closed the, their restaurant. That's right. They closed their restaurant. Their main source um, of income, if you like, the main outworking of their business model was people coming into eating in their restaurant. They have now shut that down because no one was actually coming in Anyway, what they have done instead is uh, opened up a bagel shop. Um, so they've moved from fine dining to bagels and burgers. And this I found fascinating because the bagels and burgers are going to be classed more as essential food items than fine dining, right? Uh, they've done a drive-through uh, or they, they're doing drive-through burgers. Uh, and the video that I saw was fascinating. I it wasn't like they, you know, like a McDonald's drive-through where it's all posh with speakers and you drive through from one window to the next. It all looked to me to be very chaotic. I don't know what system they had in place, but uh, customers were loving it. They were happy about it and they didn't mind a little bit of chaos. And so I don't know how they would do this. And if you're a restaurant, if you're a local restaurant or cafe, this would be piquing my interest. How can I meet customers where they're at? Could I, for example, do something like this where I create more essential food items um, and people order online, uh, they place their orders um, and then when they're outside, they just give us a ring or a text and we pop outside um, and give them their food in a bag, right? And then they can drive off just on the side of the street. I don't even know about the laws or the legalities of this. So, you know, if you're thinking about it, do, do check it out. Um, but I just thought this was a brilliant idea. And the third thing that they have done is what they call the family meal delivery service. So you can order a family meal via their website. I think it's a it's a set menu. Um, whatever it is that day, they're just going to cook it and you can order it for four or five people. Um, and they will bring that to your home and leave it on your doorstep so you don't have to uh, touch people and so on and so forth. Okay which I thought was fantastic. Now, here is, let me see if I can play this because uh, this is Mark Canlis, I believe, talking about this particular idea. This is not the time for fine dining right now. Um, and so uh, we wanted a way that we could actually keep feeding the city through uh, this season. And every day we're just adjusting to figure out how we can make that happen. Sorry, it cut off really soon there, didn't it? But every day we're figuring out ways to make this happen, right? We're just adjusting to what's going on and every day we're adapting and we're changing. And I like that way of approaching his business. He has to adapt and ad every single day to what's going on. So rather than just um, sitting there and closing his restaurant and going, well, there's no point in being open, he's trying to find ways to keep his business afloat, afloat, to keep his staff paid so he doesn't have to lay anybody off, which I think is very noble and a great aim for us all as entrepreneurs. Um, but he's also thinking, how can I help people, right? How can I help them? These guys need food. We've got chefs. It might not be fine dining, but how can I help them? And we're going to adapt and overcome uh, and we're going to meet the needs of people every single day. Uh, I'm just going to pull up, not that you can see, because this is... Uh, uh, my computer and you can't see it. This here um, is an email that I got from Don Miller at StoryBrand uh, talking about their live workshop. So they are a marketing agency and you pay to attend their live workshops. And this is an email he sent through about their April workshop, which I thought was interesting. I'm just going to play you the thir first 30 seconds of the clip. Here we go. Story brand, and of course, I'm coming to you during very unprecedented times. I mean, we've never seen anything like this, and uh, the world can feel a little bit crazy right now. Uh, we want to want you to know that we care about you. We've taken precautions, just like so many corporations have and businesses have. Uh, we are being very careful with our team and where we put our team. We're also being very careful with with our live workshops and our events, and uh, not to get too many people together. In fact, we have taken our live workshop, the next live workshop, which is in, on April 6, and we are live streaming it. So, if you've always wanted to come to Nashville. Okay, did you hear that? They're taking their workshops where they have the same sort of model as the, the, the restaurant where you go to them, you pay to go to Nashville and I'm sure it's a great experience. I've never gone, but I'm sure it's great. Um, 
and you sort of sit there and listen and get involved in the workshops. But obviously they can't do that. So they're now, again, like Canlist, they're bringing their service to you using live stream opportunities, right? So what can you do? Where are your customers? Where are they? What are they doing? And how can you take um, your idea, your product or your service or an iteration of it to help meet their needs where they're at? which helps your business, it helps your team, but it also helps your customers, right? The magic triangle. Interestingly, uh, when I was writing down, well, what are the opportunities that I've got right now? I'm, I came across um, Amazon's comments about uh, their, their stores, uh, their stores, their delivery at the moment, because obviously they're going to be affected massively. Um, Amazon, a lot of their products come from China. So supply chains are going to be an issue. Um, they employ an awful lot of, they need a lot of people to pick and pack. And so their delivery and network and systems is obviously they've got to put a lot of resource into keeping that up, um, which means they, I think, are going to have to prioritize how they deliver goods. And this is what Amazon have basically said. They've come out and said, you know what, we are going to have to prioritize how we deliver and who we deliver to. And so... Um, they are going to prioritize more the more essential items. And I think this is fascinating because, again, this gives the um, smaller e-commerce businesses an opportunity to grow into those spaces that Amazon are going to shrink back from a little bit. And it, I think it especially helps if you're a local business. And I think, for me, the opportunities for the local brand growth are just insane right now. Um I think more and more people are going to be opting for locally produced products. Uh, I think getting stuff locally wherever possible is going to become more and more essential. And if you can mix that with some kind of uh, online offering, I I would definitely be doing that. Even if I was, um, I don't know, a cafe or a coffee shop, I appreciate cake and coffee might not be essential right now, but I would be giving customers the option to buy it, to do the drive-through type thing. Could I do a delivery where someone in a car goes and delivers locally to those people? Um, could I be using the staff and the, the the base resources that I have to create stuff other than cakes, maybe bagels, for example, or burgers, a bit like canless. But locally, I think opportunities are going to exist for us with that local delivery, uh, especially if the bigger national delivery networks are going to start to, um, not collapse, but they're going to start to prioritize uh, essential items. Okay, And so what does that mean? Um, another story I came across, which I thought was really, really fascinating, was a chap called Ian McNeil. Now, Ian is the founder and CEO at Glass Distillery, which uh, is exactly what it says on the tin, right? They do spirits. Now, normally he would be bottling spirits on a day-to-day basis. Um, but what has fascinated me uh, about Ian is there is a byproduct to the distillery service. Okay, so he obviously does um, spirits, but there are byproducts to uh, the manufacturing of the spirits. And interestingly, the byproducts of this can be used to make hand sanitizer, believe it or not. So what he is now doing um, is he, he, he is manufacturing um, or bottling some of these byproducts to make hand sanitizer, and he is giving this away for free. Right. So is there a byproduct to something that you're doing or you're manufacturing that you could give away? This was interesting. Let's listen to uh, Ian uh, briefly talk about this. It's crazy how we are moving so fast with this. Make no mistake, you cannot drink this, but it sure works great for cleaning your hands. It's great, isn't it? Eh? Uh, so he's realized that a byproduct of his normal business can uh, help people and help his community. I am sure, I mean, I don't know Ian, I'm sure he's not doing this purely for financial gain. He is giving it away for free. That is definitely not financial gain. But you know what? It's a local business doing local good in the community and it is going to help uh, build his brand locally. Okay. So could you do that? So could you give stuff away or even tell people how to make stuff? So it may be that you're, you know, you don't necessarily have um, a distillery going on. Um, but could you, uh, for example, one of the things that we're looking at with um, Jersey is could we uh, uh, move to 
uh, retail in some more of this, the essential items, what would, well, one of those essential items would be hand sanitizer. Well, can we source it? Well, um, there's conversations going on around that at the moment. Maybe we're going to have to make our own because we have the ability to do that. Or maybe uh, we could um, sell the ingredients for people to make some of these essential products. So maybe some of the skincare, uh, we could maybe source some of the raw ingredients and people could make their own. And we could do videos showing people how to do this uh, when we can't source those products any longer from the larger brands? Could we show people how to do that using videos and show our customers how to do that? So could we tell people how to make stuff? Um, so for me, some of the opportunities here are, just to recap, meet your customers where they're at, develop out your product range um, to think about what customers are going to be demanding, Definitely be online. Now, I appreciate this is an e-commerce podcast, but if you are not online, definitely get online. Um, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure that would apply to most businesses, especially if you're a local business, because you are going to see one massive increases in online sales, and two, I think there's going to be some local brand growth. And uh, interestingly, that was also one of the things that came out in the Nielsen report. Um, it's it's likely to grow the local brand. Is there stuff that we can give away and help people like Ian McNeil did at the Glass Distillery? Or what about making, uh, showing people how to make stuff and giving them the raw ingredients or just being helpful to uh, clients, okay? So I mentioned at the start that I, uh, this whole thing was triggered by um, watching the Bill Gates video again. And I mentioned that there are five sort of key things that uh, Bill Gates mentions in his TED Talk. And I found these actually very, very helpful. Now, this is... um, this is this is in effect the second part of the podcast, uh, and I just wanted to play this play this two second clip which Bill said, and I I almost want to play it twenty times, but have a listen to this. And we need preparedness. And we need preparedness. Okay, one more time. And we need preparedness. We need preparedness. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And he then goes on to outline, as I say, these sort of five steps that help us get prepared. Here is his very uh, first step. Uh, What are the key pieces? Uh, First is we need strong health systems in poor countries. Uh, That's where uh, mothers can give birth safely, kids can get all their vaccines, but also where we'll see the outbreak very early on. Okay, so he talks about um, getting these healthcare systems into the poorer countries that don't necessarily have the developed healthcare that they need to deal with the outbreaks um, in the very early stages. In other words, uh, go to the root source of this problem, identify it early, and build out quickly to prevent it from happening. Strengthen those frontline services, right? Target the weak areas and the threats to your business is how I how I put this. And so I did. I literally wrote down, where can we strengthen our frontline services after listening to this? What does that mean? So I have two types of companies. I own two types of business. One is an online business and the other is a service-based business. So for example, with my e-commerce businesses, when we were looking at strengthening frontline services, uh, these are some of the things that we have been talking about over the last few days. Um, Obviously, this is all very fluid uh, and it's going to change day to day. But where we're at right now, um, how do we strengthen our frontline services? Well, as I've already mentioned, I think people are going to start to prioritize um, more essential items. So how does that leave us exposed as a business? Uh, This for me is a weak area and a threat to what's going on. So what essential items could we sell? How can we work that out, right? Uh, another part of our system, another part for us is going to be uh, no one coming into work. So, for example, um, you know, we we obviously need to pick and pack goods. Uh, so we need people in, in the warehouse doing the delivery networks. Sorry, doing the delivery of the products and services. So how's that going to work for us? Um, and one of the things that we have done is we have separated our organization into teams and Anybody who is not essential in the warehouse, 
um, is uh, working at home and we've made provision for that. But the warehouse teams, we have we have segregated out so uh, we can find a way to keep moving. So team A never overlaps with team B and team B, obviously, if they're in, only they're in and not team A. So we've, do you see what I mean? We've, we've sort of played around with that and are playing around with that a little bit to try and mitigate what is going to happen to us here. How do we strengthen, in effect, our frontline health system? Um, this is about keeping our teams safe and keeping our teams healthy but keeping our organization running at the same time, right? Uh, delivery networks are going to be a big thing that we're constantly having to watch out for. This is a frontline service, uh, and it is a massive area of exposure for us. And if this starts to go creaky um, at the seams because, you know, all the schools are closed, for example, so how does that affect the delivery drivers? Are they out doing their deliveries? How does it affect the postmen and the postwomen in this country? I don't know. Um, and so we need to plan and strengthen that. How do we do that? Well, we have accounts with multiple uh, delivery networks. And again, is there a way of doing local delivery um, ourselves? What would that mean and what would that look like? Uh, it, it's quite an interesting one. We deliver all over the world. So, you know, short of getting on a plane and doing deliveries, which would be an expensive way uh, of delivering our products. I don't think that's going to happen, but we do need to mitigate some of what's going on. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, one of the big areas of concern for me, one of the big threats for my e-commerce business are the suppliers who rely on complex supply chains. Uh, so we need to have constant communication with them. How, we're asking questions like, how else could I supply the products? Are there alternatives? Could I distribute raw ingredients? Um, could I find alternate suppliers? There's a whole bunch of questions uh, right now, and we're trying to shore up those defenses. Okay, We're trying to strengthen those frontline health services for want of a better expression. But how does this work for my service business, right? Well, fortunately, in some respects for me, the service that I'm in is all digital, right? So um, we, I own and operate a company called Curious Agency, who are one of the sponsors of this podcast. And it's great because um, it frees me up to do stuff like this. Um, and they are an e-commerce web agency. And Curious has this platform called Curious Digital. And if you're a a regular listener of the show, you would have heard me talk about Curious Digital. It is great. And we have made some massive changes since season one has finished, let me tell you. And Curious Digital is going to a monthly subscription platform. And we even have uh, a startup core version uh, on the subscription. It's not yet on the website, but it is available. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually thinking, do I even just give that for free to every restaurant, cafe, local business in Liverpool that needs to be online and reach local customers? Is that something that we could do? It's something that we're talking about right now. What's the impact of that, right? So, but how do I strengthen uh, my health services at the moment? And this is a really interesting one, right? So number one, I've, I've, I've got down here in my notes, I need to let people know how we can actually help them. It's all very well and good as having these products and services, which I think are helpful. Like, let's say, for example, we could figure out a way to make it work for local businesses to get a free e-commerce website um, from us. How's that actually going to benefit them, though, if they don't know about it, right? Um, like uh, Paul said, how, pe how beautiful are the feet of those that bring glad tidings? We have to go out and tell people what is going on. So, um, my marketing and our messages have to be clear in terms of I need to let people know exactly how we can help. And that, if I'm honest, is part of the reason for doing this podcast. I was writing stuff out and I thought, actually, this would also make a great podcast to put out there uh, between season one and season two, just to let people know what's going on. We'll turn it into blog posts. We'll put it on LinkedIn and all that sort of good stuff as well. I just wanted to let people know how we could help and how I'm planning uh you know, how to make my own businesses better in the midst of what's going on. So um, we also have uh, teams working at home. So number one is let people know how we can help. Number two, um, wherever possible, we have people working at home. That changes how we do communication. In fact, what I've found is um, communication, I think, is, is a little bit better 
uh, when people work at home because we're much more intentional and we're much more deliberate about it. That's not to say we're going to be permanent home workers when this is all blown over because there are certain elements of it we do miss. Uh, but that said... Um, you know, shore up your frontline uh, systems for us in a service business. The frontline are our people, they're our delivery, they're the people getting the job done. So, I need to uh, protect them and strengthen them as much as possible so we can keep delivering our service. And of course, even as a service based business, I can be offering, uh, asking ourselves, you know, what digital product offering can we also deliver? For example, like Don Miller, who's now doing uh, live streaming of his workshops, could we do an online masterclass, for example? What about doing some online courses? Now, um, I am super busy creating digital content right now because I think this is a big area for us where we can shore up um, our defense because if people do stop buying and budgets do get cut back, a lot of people are going to want online content on how to set up and run their own digital business, right? There'll be a lot more of those happening. Let me tell you, it's coming. It's just the way it is and we need to be ready for that. So um, I'm focusing on how I can help local small businesses. And so one of the courses that we were halfway through doing is our product course that we've called it the Jam Jar Product Funnel, how to choose the perfect high demand products to sell online. Let me tell you, that is a great course that's coming out soon. Um, but I've decided to postpone that a little bit. I might turn that into a mastermind rather than the course and do that as like a six week free mastermind course for people to come and do in the wake of the coronavirus. Um, but I want to focus my attention. How can I help uh, small businesses, especially local small businesses here in Merseyside and Liverpool and in the UK to grow and develop? OK, so number one, strengthen your frontline services. So what are your frontline services? Where are you weak? Um, if you got attacked in that area, where would it have cataclysmic effect? But if you shore up those frontline services, it could help deal with it at the front end. OK, so that's point number one. Uh, let's listen to uh, Bill Gates's advice for point number two. We need a medical reserve corps. Lots of people who've got the training and background who are ready to go with the expertise. Did you get that? He, he said we need a medical corps who were experts and trained and could go in and help with their expertise, right? So this is the realization that me as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, there are certain problems that I cannot solve, okay, but that I have access to people who can definitely help me. So can I get, I would rephrase this and I'd put, you know, what's the specialist help that I need? right? Who is my medical call? Who can I call on, for example? Who, who's going to give us that specialist help? And so, for example, with my e-commerce companies, uh, who can give me help with sourcing essential products um, or manufacturing them? Uh, and so I've contacted suppliers and manufacturers, found out what's possible, brainstormed ideas with them and brought their expertise into our businesses to help us move those ideas forward. OK, um, I know I can give you an example of two of our clients right now um, in our web agency business who have come to us. Uh, uh, and asked us to help them. They've, they've bought us, and in other, words, they're, in other words, we're their medical corps. Both of these businesses, similar to StoryBrand, um, do a lot of uh, live workshops. They, um, they have people come to them. They've all had to be cancelled. And so how can we help them deliver their training and their expertise in an online forum? We've been working that through with them and developing that technology out with them. It's incredible how that has become a big thing in the last few weeks. Fortunately, for me, Curious Digital was a platform that could already do that. So this is just tweaking something that is going to work for them, right? How can we help them? We've had companies approach uh, my other company called Lightbulb. Lightbulb is uh, an e-commerce agency, again, you will hear more about this in season two. It's one of the big changes that has happened recently. But it is an end-to-end e-commerce services business. In other words, 
What this company does is it takes the bits of e-commerce that you don't want to do and we do them on your behalf, right? It's the best way I know how to describe it. So uh, we have clients where we do marketing for them. We have clients where we do their fulfillment and actually we pick and pack goods from our own warehouse with our own teams and we send them out, which is doubly important for me to keep those guys in the warehouse fit and healthy, right? Because it's not just my business that's dependent on it. There are other businesses dependent on us doing that well and getting those out there, especially as one of them is, you know, it's a health and nutrition business that's setting out, you know, really great stuff um, from a nutrition point of view. Really want to keep that going, right? And so bringing in that expertise to help you, that specialist help, don't be afraid to ask for help. Get on the phone, call somebody, see what can be done. Uh, it's amazing what you'll find when you just ask, okay? So number one, shore up your frontline services or strengthen your frontline services. Number two, get in the expert help. Bill, take us to point number three. And then we need to pair those medical people with the military taking advantage of the military's ability to move fast, do logistics, and secure areas. Okay, did you get that? Pair the medical and the military. In other words, what he's wanting to do here is take the expertise from point number two and power that up, right? So I just wrote down in my notes, power up. By adding the military and the might of the military, you've got the ability to move fast, do logistics, and secure areas. And so for me, this is adding extra resource and might and power into what is critically important. For example, uh, we saw this with the Canlis restaurant, right? So they had to close their restaurant because they needed that resource and that staff to be out on the sidewalk, on the pavement, doing the drive-by deliveries as people were coming past, right? They needed the chefs to stop what they were doing on one side and start making burgers and doing the family dinner menus. So it's about powering up and pouring your resources into what is important. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The One Thing, but it is so, so helpful here understand for you what is the most important things that needs to get done and put your resource in there and if you need to join forces with the military whatever that is uh, for you and your business do it because you're going to need to move fast you're going to need to keep logistics going and you're going to need to secure certain areas okay so with e-commerce for example my e-commerce businesses i have literally put my time recently into uh, finding and sourcing these essential products to keeping the team clear and happy. I mean, to be fair, uh, I say I've been doing that. I haven't. Michelle, the number two at uh, Jersey, she's awesome. She's been thinking about that a lot. Let me give credit where credit's due, okay? But it's like thinking what are the most important things and putting our resources into that. We want to keep helping our customers ensuring that our customer service center is geared up for where it needs to be. And obviously the critical thing for a, a critical area for us to power up is going to be on keeping the deliveries going, keeping the teams happy, the support staff happy, um, and the delivery companies. Does it help them, for example, if I don't demand that they come to my warehouse to pick up my parcels, but we put them in a van and drive them to the delivery centers? Is that going to help? You know, in times like this, we've just got to crack on and do it, haven't we? So where do you need to power up? Where do you need to focus in your business and plow the resource and energy into? Okay, so that's number three. So number four, let's listen to number four. We need to do simulations, germ games, not war games, so that we see where the holes are. The last time a germ game was done in the United States was back in 2001. And it didn't go so well. So far, the score is germs one, people zero. Wow, did you get that? Germ games. I love the fact that Bill Gates is talking about germ games, like war games type things, you know, gamify the whole thing. Uh, the key phrase for me in all of this is find where the holes are. In other words, the reason you're doing these games, the reason you're running these scenarios is to find the holes. And I remember when I used to do my 
Red Cross training, we would do a lot of different scenarios with actors and with fake blood and all of these kind of things because the more we were put into those scenarios, the more we could find the holes in our own in our own understanding, in our own experience, in our own way of doing, you know, uh, emergency healthcare. And as we we understood those holes, we could actually get better. So it meant when we were put into a real life situation, actually it wasn't so much of an issue. So when I had to do CPR, for example, for the first time on a human being, it wasn't too much of a drama because I'd done it a thousand times on Risa Sani, you know, those plastic dolls which lie on the floor and take a beating from everybody in their first aid courses. Now, here's the thing. Now, when I heard Bill talking about this, I felt super convicted. Now, what I mean by that is... Um, I found it's really easy to rest on my laurels to go, you know what, we've got just about got through uh, 2008's economic downturn and what that means, although it was a long time ago now. But do you know what I mean? There's sort of been this sort of, oh, we've got through that. We can just sort of have a bit of a breath. And I guess if I'm honest with you, I've rested on my laurels a little bit. I've not been out there thinking, where are the threats? Where are the weaknesses in my business? Um, I've been riding a wave a little bit and you know what, I'm guilty here and so when I hear him saying you need to run these simulations and find out where your holes are, I'm thinking I totally should have done this, do you know what I mean, I, I should have already been here, I should have already known about this. Uh, and we've seen this in some of the examples, right? Like Candice, like if you're a cafe or a restaurant, the hole is definitely in the assumption of the business model that customers are going to come to you. Um, and sit down and they're going to order. And had I have run these games and simulations, we would have found those holes uh, much earlier because, uh, you know, prevention is always better than cure, right? It just is what it is. And we we have to play out these what-if scenarios. Now, I know this is almost a little bit like, you know, the ho- uh, what is it, uh, bolting the door after the horse has um, bolted sort of thing. But it's like I I still think it's a good idea to do that now. So all the thinking and planning we've done around the coronavirus and rethinking our business strategy, we have to play out the what if scenarios. For example, with our e-commerce businesses, what if uh, the delivery networks do dry up? Um, What if supply stops? You know, these are some of the big gaping holes in my current plan. So how do I mitigate for them? Is there a digital solution I could deliver? Um, could I do something, I don't know, like a daily entertainment show, which sounds a bit odd for a beauty company, but maybe I do a daily entertainment show to maintain relationships with people um, and stay connected with them, right? Rather than just keep sending out begging emails, you know, with bigger and bigger offers to try and entice people to, to buy from me. Um, how, how can I do that? How do I mitigate some of these things? For my service business, you know, what if all of our projects currently... Uh, in the pipeline get cancelled. The big one for me, the big hole is what if the development team actually gets sick or they have to go and care for loved ones, right? Um, What's going to happen to our delivery process? What if this goes on for the rest of the year and not just a few weeks, okay, or a few months? How does this impact what we are doing as a business going forward? What are the holes in my plan and in my ideas so far, right? So think that through, journal that out, where are the holes? And then we can move finally onto step number five. Bill, take it away. Finally, we need lots of advanced R&D in areas of vaccines and diagnostics. Advanced R&D in areas of vaccines and diagnostics. Now, what does this mean for our businesses? I don't know about you, but I'm kind of reminded of the phrase from the Jack Reacher novels, hope for the best, but plan for the worst, right? Um, I am traditionally a very optimistic kind of a guy. I just think everything's going to work out. I 
that's just my nature, right? And it's both good and it's bad um, because it means that I don't run, for example, the germ game scenario in my business ever <laughs> because I'm just optimistic. I just think it's going to run and work the whole time. And of course, it comes to scenarios like this that kind of wakes me up a little bit. So I, I hope for the best, but do I need to plan for the worst? Do I need to run these germ games? And the reason that Bill Gates predicted all of this, I said this at the start of the show, is because he learned the lessons from the Ebola outbreak, right? He saw what happened and went, oh my goodness, if this happens on a bigger scale, uh, we were lucky with Ebola because Ebola wasn't like an airborne disease and there was all kinds of things that stopped it spreading as much. But what would happen if we got a virus that wasn't quite like that? Oh, my goodness, we're in trouble, right? And he talked about it costing trillions of dollars uh, to the global economy, which is probably where we're going to get to quite quickly. Um, but he learned the lessons from Ebola. And it's a bit like, what lessons can I learn from this? What can I put into place to ensure that I'm better able to cope with these attacks in the future? So steps one through four get me, I think, through the current crisis. This fifth step is all about learning the lessons from this. So if and when this comes around again, in whatever form it's going to be, right, how is my business stronger? How can I get the team better prepared for that? Now, I'm not talking about being, you know, the prophesier of doom or the naysayer in the office and all that sort of stuff that's not what I'm trying to say here but never ever waste a good crisis to learn from right because we learn so much and we grow so much and that's a story of humanity that's a story of our spirituality it's in the complex it's in the tricky it's in the hard it's in the suffering and in the pain that we grow the most and that we learn the most and we should, as entrepreneurs and business owners, be very, very clear on what we can learn from what has happened and strengthen and shore up our businesses uh, to protect ourselves in the future. OK, so they are the five ways I think we can rethink uh, some of the uh, business strategies that we have in the wake of the coronavirus. Number one, strengthen the frontline services. Number two, get specialist help. Number three, power up, especially where it's important. Number four, find your holes. Number five, think about the future, hope for the best, plan for the worst. What lessons can you learn? I hope you um, I hope you're with me so far. The clock is telling me we're on 56 minutes, which makes this a long podcast, but I think there was a lot to say. Uh, in this, it would be remiss of me at this stage to not tell you, uh, dear business and entrepreneur owner, how uh, how I can help you going forward as we are really keen to help businesses who are, you know, at this time we're all struggling. We've got to get in this as a community uh, and sort of shore up what's going on. I can help you in a number of ways. Uh, number one, as I said, we have the uh, web agency. If you're not online or you need a new uh, e-commerce platform, get in touch. We will help you. We will do whatever you can, uh, whatever we can. We have made this thing so much more accessible, whereas before it was costing you know tens of thousands of pounds. It is literally going to be nowhere near that amount of money right now. Uh, I think we've cracked it and miraculously and, you know, either by divine appointment or chance, whichever you believe, um, it has just come at the perfect time for us. So we have a platform I think will help you get online. Uh, we have the company Lightbulb, like I say, that's got the end-to-end e-commerce services. So if you do need special help or specialist help, if you need to shore up areas where you're weak uh, and you you want to do that quickly, give us a ring. We can help with your website. We can help with your marketing. Um, we can help with your customer service. Anything to do with e-commerce, we can probably help you with. Fulfillment deliveries currently are going out regular as clockwork um, from our warehouse here in Liverpool. We would be happy to help you. I personally do coaching and mentor. Coaching? I don't even know what that word means. Coaching and mentoring. I guess if you put those two words together, you get coaching. Uh, and so uh, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, obviously, I've been talking way too long. Um, but yeah, we do the coaching and mentoring services. And I'm trying to figure out a way at the moment on how we can do those uh, online in a way that's going to help you. Um, and we're probably not going to charge for those because I think at this 
time of year, this you know, with what's going on, it's just a great service to help people grow and develop in what they're doing. So watch out for information. More about that hopefully coming soon. The way you connect with me and stay in touch with me is either on Instagram, search for Matt Edmondson, or you can head over to my website, mattedmondson.com. You can also find me, Matt Edmondson Co, CO on Facebook. Um, if you're connected with us in those three ways, you'll find out what is coming up more. Um, do get in touch. Do let me know how I can help you. But also let me know your tips, your suggestions, your ideas on how we can all grow and develop our uh, e-commerce businesses or even our non-e-commerce business, our service-based businesses in the wake of the coronavirus. What steps are you taking to mitigate uh, and control uh, as much as you can, uh, your business, what ideas have you had, what opportunities have you seen. I would love to hear more of your stories. We'll be putting out more and more content around this to help you grow. So do stay connected. Thanks for listening. Hit that subscribe button on the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. And I'll be back to you real soon, either with some more content uh, on businesses around the coronavirus Um Well, with season two, which will be launched in just a few short weeks, let me tell you, we have got some great stuff coming in season two of the Curiosity Podcast. Every show in season two has an expert guest in. And let me tell you, everyone we have interviewed so far has not been shy in sharing their brilliance and their expertise to help you grow online. It is incredible. There is some really, really good stuff coming. So make sure you stay connected. Thanks for listening. I'll be back talking to you again real soon. Uh, Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Curiosity Podcast. You can subscribe or you can also join us on Facebook Live. See you next time.